0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Daily Gospel Exegesis podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I know many of you have benefited from this podcast, and it's really given you a passion for the Word of God. If you have been listening for a while, I would love to hear from you. Tell us what you love about the podcast, how you first heard about it, the way you listen to it. Um, All of that is really great feedback, and you can send in um, questions or information about yourself to the ministry via the email address at the bottom of the show notes, which is logicalbiblestudy at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Today we're looking at a really interesting encounter here with Jesus and the Jewish leaders. Mark chapter 12, verses 18 to 27. Some Sadducees, who deny that there is a resurrection, came to him and they put this question to him. Master, we have it from Moses in writing if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, the man must marry the widow to raise up children for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a wife, and then died, leaving no children. The second married the widow, and he too died, leaving no children. With the third, it was the same, and none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died. Now at the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be, since she had been married to all seven? Jesus said to them, Is not the reason why you go wrong, that you understand neither the scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, men and women do not marry, no, they are like the angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising again... Have you never read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him and said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is God, not of the dead, but of the living. You are very much mistaken. So, a really interesting passage, and this is one of those ones where um, we really get a lot from digging into the phrases. And there's some things going on here that Jesus is trying to get across that we might miss. So let's have a go at doing an exegesis of this passage. What's the context? So Jesus has entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. This has already happened in Mark. He's cursed the fig tree and he's cleansed the temple. And he's been teaching in the temple. Up till now, he's been questioned by the Herodians and the Pharisees. We saw that in the previous passage. Now we see a different group of Jewish leaders who come and try to trap him and these are the Sadducees. They don't appear a whole lot in the Gospels, but they were quite a prominent uh, group in the time of Jesus. Basically, the Sadducees were wealthy priests who were like the upper class of Jewish society. Not all of them were priests, but certainly all of them were closely associated with the temple. They were quite a powerful party and, and quite an elite party within Judaism, so they had a lot of influence. Also part of the Sadducees was the relatives and the friends of the Sadducees and all the wealthy aristocracy of Jerusalem tended to support the Sadducees as well. So it's sort of like the Jewish leaders who were supported by the upper class of society. Now the Sadducees cooperated with the Romans and they facilitated good relationships with them. So they promoted tolerance in particular. As a result, they had a lot less popular appeal than the Pharisees, because most popular people did not want to cooperate with the Romans, but the wealthy Jews did support them. So that's a bit of background on the Sadducees. But most important is not their political views, but their theological views. And Mark actually tells them a key part of that here. He says the Sadducees deny there is a resurrection. So thinking here about ...the teaching that there will be a resurrection of the body on the last day, at the last judgment. The Sadducees did not believe that. The Pharisees did believe that, but the Sadducees don't. So, the Sadducees are often considered to be like the liberals of the day, perhaps. The ones who struggle with supernatural ideas. They only accepted the first five books of Moses, and therefore, since nowhere in the first five books of Moses... ...is it clear that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead, they didn't believe that there will be a resurrection of the dead unlike most of the other Jews at the time of Jesus. So they believed that when the soul, when the body dies, the soul perishes along with it. So some scholars have characterized the Sadducees as um, conservative in the sense that they are not willing to embrace any new ideas, but they're also kind of uh, progressives in the sense that they really don't like supernatural teachings. So it's an interesting set of beliefs that they have. By the way, this is one of the arguments um, that's worth talking about in relation to how many books should be in the Bible, in, in, in the Old Testament in particular, because you probably know that Catholics have uh, more books in their Old Testament than other Christians do. And often one of the arguments for why the Protestant Bible is correct is that um, Protestants might say... It's uh, in the time of Jesus, there was a closed canon. Everyone knew which books belonged in the Old Testament. Well, here, if we look even just at the Sadducees, it's pretty clear that the Jews did not agree which books should be in the Old Testament. The Pharisees and the Sadducees disagreed. Uh, So that's not a particularly good argument to make. It was only later, after the time of Jesus, that the Jews sort of came up with a universal canon... And that was not the one that Christians accepted for 1,500 years. So there's a whole lot of um, interesting historical questions um, about the way that the canon was determined. It certainly was not agreed upon um, amongst the Jews at the time of Jesus. There were some disputes about it. Anyway, let's get back to the text. So they come to Jesus and they put this question to him. So the Sadducees are bringing a, a trap question to Jesus, similar to the question he's just answered about paying taxes to Caesar. And they say this Master, we have it from Moses in writing. If a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, the man must marry the widow to raise up children for his brother. Now, this was a real Jewish law. It's called the Leverite Law. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5. And it does say there if a man dies without having children, then his brother must take his wife and have children on his dead brother's behalf. So this is a real Jewish law. They're presenting a real law here to Jesus. They haven't made one up. And keep in mind, since this is in Deuteronomy, that's one of the first five books. So the Sadducees do accept this teaching, but they're now going to come up with a fictional scenario that they think shows that doesn't work with the Leverite law, basically, and therefore they're going to try and argue that the resurrection doesn't make sense because this situation would be absurd if the resurrection was true. So they now go on to describe this hypothetical scenario which is deliberately designed to trap Jesus, and they think they're pretty clever. They think the scenario they describe can't possibly make sense if there really is a resurrection from the dead. So they think they've given Jesus a good um, case here that's going to trap him. So, this is the case that they say. Now, there were seven brothers. The first married a wife and then died having no children. The second married the widow and he too died having no children. When the third came, it was the same and none of the seven brothers left any children. Last of all, the woman herself died. Now, at the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be since she had been married to all seven? See, so see how the argument is supposed to go. According to the Leverite law, um, if this situation happened, then yes, the woman would have to be married seven times, but according to the resurrection, that would mean that she has seven husbands. And, sh- and so the Sadducees say that just doesn't make sense. Now, interestingly, the scenario they describe here is quite similar to a real story from the Old Testament. That's in Tobit chapter 3, verse 8, where... Um, something like this does happen. There's a woman who keeps being married to different brothers, but the brothers keep dying on the wedding night until she's gone through seven different brothers. So that's interesting, but we can't read too much into that because the Sadducees did not accept that Tobit was one of the books of the old Testament. So Jesus replies to them this way, verse 24 is not the reason why you go wrong so notice up front, Jesus says that they are quite wrong about um, the resurrection being impossible. And he says the reason you go wrong is that you neither understand the scriptures nor the power of God. Now, that's um, quite a insult to these influential Jewish leaders. They don't understand the scriptures or the power of God, according to Jesus. So Jesus here says that Not only do the scriptures make it clear that there will be a resurrection, so it's in the scripture, he says on top of that, if they really believed in God, well, then of course he could raise people from the dead. So apparently they have problems with both the scripture and the belief that God can do anything. Now, he's going to address each of these two points in reverse order. So he's going to um, first address the issue of God raising people from the dead, and then he's going to go back and revisit the issue they have with the scriptures. So, in other words, he's first going to address the marriage issue, and then secondly, he's going to make a more fundamental point, which is that the Sadducees should really accept the resurrection, because it's actually in the first five books of Moses itself, which they do accept. So, he starts his um, defense here in verse 25. For when people rise from the dead, men and women do not marry. So, apparently, the Sadducees had this idea that at the resurrection, when people rise from the dead it was going to be basically a continuation of the current state of affairs on earth so like a, a mere resuscitation of corpses perhaps jesus here first tells them that's not what the resurrection is going to be like it's a fundamentally different kind of existence men and women will not marry so that firstly that undercuts their whole scenario about marriage he says that's not even going to happen in the resurrection Now, the lectionary reading we have here actually takes out a phrase. In the original, if you read Mark uh, chapter 12 in most Bibles, here is what it says. Men and women do not marry, nor are given in marriage. So, there's actually an additional phrase there about being given in marriage. And in that culture, basically, that referred to sort of the way that men and women did things. So, men married, whereas women were given in marriage. That's sort of how it worked. Since Jesus uses both phrases, he says people are neither he says men and women do not marry nor are given in marriage. A lot of scholars would say the fact that he deliberately goes out of his way to say both implies that there still will be men and women in a sense in the resurrection, people will retain their biological sex and that's important to keep in mind. This is a teaching that a lot of married people have struggled with. men and women will not marry. In the resurrection and by extension that probably means that people who were married will no longer be married and that's you know a difficult teaching we need to keep in mind firstly that this comes directly from Jesus this isn't something the church has made up later Jesus here teaches that marriage won't be a thing in heaven between humans why what would be the reason why um, God wouldn't want people to be married in heaven If you think about it, marriage in this life is a sign for the love of God. It's a symbol of the even greater love of God. And God has given us this gift of marriage on earth um, as a symbol of the love he has for us. But in heaven, in the next life, when we're united to God, we will have the real thing. So there's not going to be a need for models in the same way. So those who make it to heaven will be completely fulfilled by God. And therefore, there won't be a need for marriage. And this is kind of similar to something... Paul says later on in the New Testament about a lot of the Old Testament was shadows cast by Jesus. And now that Jesus, the true light has come, then our attention should be focused on Jesus and not those shadows. Well, a similar thing can be said about earthly marriage. Earthly marriage is a good thing. It's a shadow of an even better thing. But when we get access to the even better thing, it would be foolish to cling on to the the mere shadows. So it's, it's a similar kind of argument. Jesus now gives his reason for why there won't be marriage in heaven, in the resurrection. He says, because they will be like the angels in heaven. Now, in Mark's version, that's all he says. He doesn't explain that comment any further. What does he mean about angels being like them? So, therefore, a lot of people have looked at this and have tried to interpret what Jesus means here about angels. They've said, perhaps the reason people will be like angels in heaven in relation to marriage, is that angels don't have sexual desires. So therefore, humans, being like angels, won't have sexual desires either. Other, another interpretation you might hear is that what Jesus means here is that people will literally be angels, as in, in the resurrection, people become angels. Now, either of those interpretations would be okay if we didn't have any more information. But if you look at the version of this passage in Luke, Luke actually gives us more words that Jesus says here. Luke's version of this statement is more complete, and in Luke's version, Jesus does give the reason as to why humans will be like angels. In Luke's version, it says people will be like angels because they can no longer die. That's the similarity between humans in the resurrection and angels. So since humans will no longer die in the resurrection, they're no longer going to need to have children to repopulate the earth, and therefore there's no need to get married. So you can see how that's the basic argument Jesus wants to make about why humans are going to be similar to angels. Now, what's interesting about this, Jesus bringing up angels, is the Sadducees did not believe in angels. They thought the first five books of Moses doesn't teach that clearly enough. So they didn't believe in angels. So Jesus is really digging in here by bringing up angels and throwing it in their face. Verse 26, Jesus now moves on to the second reason, which remember was about the scriptures. He says this, now about the dead rising again. So he's going to address their lack of belief in the resurrection as taught by the first five books of Moses. He says, have you never read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush how God spoke to him and said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now that's a quote from Exodus chapter three, verse six, the burning bush. God says those things to Moses. And obviously the Sadducees did accept that because um, the Exodus is part of the first five books. Verse 27, Jesus says, he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. So that's the argument he makes. And it's an interesting one. It's Probably not the argument that we would make, we might think, but let's think about why Jesus said it this way. In the burning bush episode, God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob and the God of Isaac. Notice that God doesn't say, I was the God of those people. He says, I am. But even, but by then, by the time of Moses, Abraham, Jacob and Isaac were well and truly dead. And yet still God says, I am their God. For God to be the God of someone, he has to be in a relationship with them. So from this, Jesus argues that at the time Moses received the vision of the burning bush, it must mean that Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and therefore all men, are still alive in God's sight in some sense. So Jesus is teaching them people do not stop existing after death. That's what the burning bush passage teaches us, is that God is still in relationship with those patriarchs, so they haven't stopped existing. And therefore, the main point Jesus makes is that the resurrection is not at all impossible. People's souls do continue after death. So that might not seem like the best Old Testament text for Jesus to pick there, um, because there are certainly clearer passages in the Old Testament that talk about the resurrection. The book of Daniel, it's quite clear that there's going to be a resurrection at the end of time, and the book of Maccabees also has that in there. But remember, Jesus knows the Sadducees won't accept if he quotes from those books from Daniel and Maccabees, because the Sadducees don't accept them. So, Jesus' options of passages that he can quote from are limited to the first five books. This is the example he picks, and it's a very clever one. He finishes by saying, you are very much mistaken, or as other translations put it, you are quite wrong. Now, that's where today's passage ends. Luke's version tells us that as soon as Jesus finishes telling this, the Sadducees accept defeat and they did not dare ask him any more questions. So, overall, Jesus here refutes the trap scenario that was created by the, the Sadducees and he teaches his hearers about the nature of the resurrection in the process. Now, in the coming verses, we'll see Jesus being questioned by other religious leaders in Jerusalem. An interesting passage, I hope you agree. Let's finish by taking a look at a couple of short paragraphs from the Catechism which discuss what we've heard today in Mark chapter 12. Paragraph 993 is about the progressive nature of the resurrection. The Pharisees and many of the Lord's contemporaries hoped for the resurrection. Jesus teaches it firmly. To the Sadducees who deny the resurrection, he answers... Is not this why you are wrong, that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? Faith in the resurrection rests on faith in God, who is not God of the dead, but of the living. So you can see that that passage quotes directly from Mark chapter 12. And then paragraph 1619, this is an interesting one. This is in the section about how some people choose virginity for the sake of the kingdom. So it's in the section about marriage. Virginity for the sake of the kingdom of heaven is an unfolding of baptismal grace, a powerful sign of the supremacy of the bond with Christ and of the ardent expectation of his return, a sign which also recalls that marriage is a reality of this present age which is passing away. So, here the church agrees with what Jesus says about marriage being only a temporary thing in this life, and therefore those who choose virginity in this life. Uh, do a good thing, because um, in a sense, in the next life, we'll all be virgins in a way. So an interesting um, application of that particular text. Thank you again for listening. I hope you learned something new. Once again, can I ask you to please leave a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening, and we'll continue tomorrow.